your free drink before you head out on the day. Well, I'm Pastor Ben, and it's my privilege this morning to share God's word with you. Now, last week, when we started the sermon series, I asked you a question. I said, is there anything in your life that you regret? Is there anything in your life as you look back that you wish you would have done or you wish you wouldn't have done, but you did it or you didn't do it and now it's a part of your story and, and, and now it's a part of your legacy and you always wish you could go back and change it? What are the things that you regret? Now, as I've thought about regrets this week, I've realized that what's interesting about regrets is that we can live the exact same life. You and I, we can have the exact same life in fact, we could make the exact same decisions. It could be a carbon copy lives, but we could still end up with different regrets because the regrets that we have are based off of the goals that we have. You see, based on the purpose that we see that, that life has for us, we will have different regrets. Now, last week, as we talked about this idea of regrets, I shared a story from my high school experience where I was on this very talented basketball team, but we were disunified, and so we never won the championship. And for me, that was a major regret in my life. That's part of my story that I wish wasn't a part of my story. But here's what's interesting. Because our regrets are tied to our goals, if you somehow gathered my old basketball team and you put them all up here and we asked them, what regrets they had from our senior year, they would have different regrets. In fact, some of them might not have any regrets because it's based on their goal. Now, if one of them said, I wanted to get a scholarship and didn't get a scholarship, well then, their regrets would probably be something like this, right? I'm, I'm upset that I didn't try harder, I, I didn't work harder because I, I never got my scholarship and so I, I have that regret. Some of them might not have any regrets, right? Maybe their goal is very simple. I wanna make the team. And so they got a uniform and they got a number and they got to put on the warmups. They never touched the court, but they were on the team. And so therefore they have no regrets. Or maybe their goal was just simply this. I wanna have fun, right? And so as they look back, they thought that was a great time in life. That was a fun time. And so therefore they don't have any regrets. You see, our regrets are intimately tied to our goals. And as Christians, we have actually unified goals. We have a unified purpose. In fact, over the next six weeks, that's what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be talking about these, these unifying purposes that all Christians are called to. And when we do them together, we truly are better together. This is what God's word says. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Now, if you were here last week, if you were watching online or if you were here in person and, and you were really focused, you probably remember me saying something about that during this series, we're gonna be studying the book of Ephesians. Now, it, even if you were here and you don't remember a lot of the sermon, I understand because if you were here last week, you know what happened, right? My wife was trying to draw attention to herself and decided to pass out on stage, you know, She's fine, so I can joke about it now, by the way. Just so you know, she's perfectly fine. Everything's great, baby's good. But we went through that traumatic experience together, and so I understand if you weren't fully locked in because I didn't even know what I said for the next 20 minutes, right? I just said my sermon and got off to the ER, and everything's great now. But if you were locked in, if despite all that commotion, if you remember me saying that, 
there's something very important that you learned. You see, tucked into there is a, is a truth about what Paul is writing to this church in Corinth that we really need to know. In fact, if you didn't hear the sermon, if you were sick or gone or traveling, I, I understand. But throughout the sermon series, I'm gonna ask you to do something that I don't do all the time, I do on occasion, but, but not all the time, is I'm gonna ask you throughout the sermon series to go to our website and take a listen to our old sermons if you missed them. Because every part of this series, Better Together, well, it's just gonna be better together because every sermon builds off of the other. So here's the one thing I need you to remember from last week, and it's so crucial to understand the power of Paul's words. You see, this church that he's writing this letter to is in Ephesus. And this church and this city was incredibly, incredibly diverse. This city was a free city, which means everyone was on equal footing in this city. And it had other advantages too. There was a way for boats to get in and there was some major roads for, for other people to get in, right? There was, there was really no limitation for people to be here. And because of that, there was a lot of prosperity. And where there's prosperity and where there's freedom, guess where people wanna go? They wanna go there. And so this became the first major metropolis of Asia. And there was up to 100,000 people, actually all the way up to of a quarter million people would live here at any given time. And people of all different races, religions, preferences, right? There's there all sorts of people who, who lived in this space. And this is where Paul put this church. And when Paul planted this church, he did something very interesting, something that we don't do anymore today. You see, he just planted one church, one church for the city. What he didn't do, which I would probably do in our modern day, as I would look at a city this big and say, okay, what, what's the underserved group? And I might go and say, okay, this, this is the church for German people or something like that. Or, or this is the church for people who love country Western music, right? I, this is the church for Minnesota Vikings fans. There's like two of us left at this point in time, right? And, we, and we'd build a church around those commonalities. But that's what I would do. But Paul didn't do that. He put one church in this huge, diverse city. And so what would you expect would happen? In this church, there was a, a great variety of people, right? All different cultures, all different languages. It was, it was all put together. And so because of that, as you can imagine, church services would be very unique and, and very eclectic. In fact, if we did that in the Sock Valley, it would be like that, wouldn't it? Right, if, if there was no other church besides New Life in the whole Sock Valley, which means all believers came here on a Sunday, it would radically influence how we did church. Our building would have to be a different size, our staffing would be way different, our services would probably have a little different feel to them, the music would probably change, what I wear would probably adapt. I mean, all these things would adapt to best, best reach this wide variety, this vast array of people. And this is what, what Paul is dealing with here. All these things that could disunify the church, but I think that's why he points at something that is unifying, which is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus became man, God in flesh. He came to us, we didn't have to go to him. He came just to teach and heal and show his power and ultimately die on the cross for our sins so we could all be unified into one body because as a church as christians this is what we unify around even though we have a lot of things that we don't have in common we have this in common 
Jesus Christ and his eternal word. And when we get this right, we become unified. And when we get this wrong in churches, churches begin to shrink and fall apart and close, or even worse, they just become social clubs at that point in time. And, and Paul doesn't want this. He doesn't want it for our church. He doesn't want it for this church in Ephesus. He wants them to be unified around the good news of Jesus Christ. But even though he wants this, what he says next is a little bit disunifying. You see, what he says next about himself is that he has become a servant of the gospel. Another way to say it is, I've become a slave of the gospel. Now, as Americans, when we hear that word slave, it makes us a little uncomfortable, right? It makes us a little bit squeamish because we have a history there, don't we? We have a history of taking people from a different nation and, and making them work for us for free as slaves. And so when we hear that word slave, it just makes us uncomfortable. But one thing that we have to realize when we read the scripture is that when we read these words and put them into our modern context, that's not exactly what these people are thinking when they hear this word. You see, this is a variety of people within a, this, this vast church. So when Paul says these words, it's even complicated when he's preaching because people are hearing his sermon differently depending on their backstory and what they're familiar with. So Paul says this word, slave, and for the Roman people in the church, what they heard was, that's embarrassing. But not embarrassing like we think of it as Americans, like we're a little bit embarrassed about that part of our history. No, they viewed it as embarrassing because to be a slave meant that you had been overpowered. It meant that you had, had somehow went to war with somebody and you lost. And so to be a slave meant that because of your defeat, you were now put in subjugation. So when they heard this word slave, this is not something they wanted. It was something that was embarrassing. To be a slave made you less than. Now, for the Jewish people, they actually heard something very different. Because within their Jewish communities, they had slavery, but it was very different than what we think of. You see, within a Jewish community, what would happen is if you had an extreme debt, like a massive debt, maybe a debt you could never repay, what they had on their books is you could become a slave for somebody. And what you do is you become laser focused on serving that family until your debt was paid or you would get set free because there was a cap. There was like a statute of limitations where you could only work for so long and after that time, then you would be given total freedom, the debt would be forgiven. So when they heard slavery, they actually heard freedom. It's kind of like bankruptcy for them in our modern day. And this is the mindset that Paul is talking about here. When he says, I have become a slave of the gospel, what he wants us to be thinking about is this bankruptcy mindset that we owe a debt that we could never pay. We, we could never work off. But God takes us in as his slave, but once again, remember, freedom, not what we think of as Americans, and he sets us free. This is what Paul wants us to think about. Now, if we are in that space where we have been set free, how do we respond? Well, we respond with thanksgiving, right? We praise God and we thank God for setting us free. Now, what does that look like? Well, Jesus is pretty clear in Matthew 28, which we call the Great Commission, which is that if we have been set free, then we should tell other people how to be set free. That's the kind of the core of that teaching. So our thank you letter to Jesus for setting us free is to tell other people how to be set free and celebrate our own freedom for them, for them to 
see it. Well, Paul continues. He says, although I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. You see, Paul was a bright guy. And Paul knew that when he was gonna bring up sharing your faith, right, sharing our faith, he knew that people would have a number of excuses, just like we do today, right? People would have a, a lot of excuses. Sometimes we say things like this, you, you know, you, you don't know my story. If you knew my past, you knew that I'm not a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. If you knew how little I know about the Bible, you'd understand that I should not be sharing my faith because I'm just gonna look silly and make Christ look silly. Or, or you, don't, you don't understand how, how, um, how my skill set of speaking is so low. I'm not well-spoken, so I shouldn't be sharing the good news, right? And we have all these reasons that, that, we, that get in the way of us sharing the faith. And what Paul is doing here is he's taking all those things and he's throwing them out the window. Because look at what Paul says. He says, of all the saints, all Christians, I, I am the least. I'm the least qualified to do this. Now, what were Paul's excuses? Well, Paul was a Pharisee. And if you remember, the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus Christ. In fact, it was their influence that put Jesus Christ on the cross. And even though Paul existed after that time when Christ had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, he, he was still hunting down Christians and killing them off. This was Paul's story. And for Paul, unlike a lot of us, Paul was a baby Christian, if you think about it. I mean, he had basically just had that Damascus Road experience. He was, he was a baby Christian. He had every reason not to share the faith. He had every excuse to say that he was unqualified, which is why I think he was so qualified. Because it's when we think we are unqualified, when it's not in our power that Jesus actually works through us, and that's what he did through Paul. He worked through Paul and changed the world through Paul. And Paul, because he didn't have any excuses anymore because Jesus was working through him, he reached this vast array of people. He reached Gentile people, people probably like you and me who don't have this Jewish descent. He reached the Jewish people. He, he used all of his backstory of being a Pharisee and knowing the Old Testament front to back. And now he saw it in a different way. He saw the mystery of it, that the temple, the priests, the sacrificial system, the prophets, well, they all pointed to Jesus Christ. And because he, he removed all those excuses, he was able to do something powerful for the kingdom of God. Well, he continues his writing. He says, so that the, through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the question is, how do we do this, right? We kind of got our goal. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share our faith and, and talk about our freedom because we've experienced the freedom. This is our, our thank you to God. But, but how are we gonna do this? Well, Paul says, we're gonna use the church. And for a lot of us, we kind of breathe the sigh of relief, right? Because I get that, I can do that. I go to church. Sometimes I invite people to church. I, I watch church online. Sometimes I share that post. I've invited people to Christian concerts. I've done all this stuff. And so we, we use the church, Right, we have that one guy up front and he can, he can speak okay. And, and so I'll just bring my friend and they can listen to Pastor Ben or Pastor Eric. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about. 
He's not talking about a church building and he's not talking about a church service, even though sometimes we call that church, but it's not actually church. Church is the body of believers who've been adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what the church is. That's how we get the freedom that only Christ can offer to our community. And how do we do this? Well, Paul says, we use our rich variety, which is so beautiful, which is so beautiful. Because what's our, our rich variety? It's young and old, male and female, rich and poor, those of us who need to lose weight, those of us who don't need to lose weight, those of us who are athletic and those of us who are musical, right? It's, it's wherever we are, God has created you for a specific reason and created you just the way you are to reach somebody that no one else could reach. He's created us with intent, with our rich variety to reach people that, that no one else can reach, that I could never reach because you are with them. You are playing on that team with them. You are coaching that team. You are teaching them. You work with them. You're in a family with them. You are a friend of them. God used his rich variety to cast this massive net to share his freedom with the world. Well, Paul continues. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. So once again, Paul points us all the way back to the gospel, the good news. And what is the good news, of course? It's Jesus Christ, God in flesh, comes to us, lives the perfect life, becomes the perfect sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And that for those who believe in him and trust in his promises and have faith in him, well, then we are brought into the family and we get to be with that family forever, united with Jesus Christ and each other forever. This is the beautiful promise of Jesus Christ. This is what we look forward to. Now, here is where Paul closes. He says these words last. I pray therefore that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. Now, when he started the sermon, I asked you, do you remember that I told you that we were gonna be covering the book of Ephesians during the sermon series? And, and maybe you did or, or maybe you didn't, but there's one other detail that I kind of just dropped in there. And, I, and I'm almost certain you probably didn't hear it, but maybe you're really astute, you're a great student and, and you heard this part. But Paul, when he's writing this letter to the, ch the church in Ephesus, the reason he's writing a letter and not visiting them in person is because at this time he's actually in prison. And the reason he's in prison is the same reason he ended up in prison all of the time. It's not because he was misbehaving, at least by Christian standards. It's because his goal was to share Jesus Christ with the world, no matter the consequences. His goal was to share Jesus Christ with the world, no matter the consequences. And because of this, he kept getting thrown into jail because he would not be quiet about Jesus. And so he kept ending up in jail and ending up in jail and ending up in jail, which was not a regret of his. Because what was his goal? His goal was to share Jesus Christ and his freedom with everyone. Which means his only regret would be not doing that. His regret was not ending up in jail. But he did have some concerns about his jail time. You see, he was concerned that him being a prisoner would be a deterrent for other people to share their faith because he knows 
what's true of these people is true of us as well. I mean, to be honest, is, is we're nervous about sharing our faith, aren't we? Right, not only do we have all these excuses, but we, we build up all these storylines of what might happen if we share our faith. Maybe we get fired. Or, or maybe we would lose a friend. Or maybe we would just look stupid. Right, we have all these things that we think would happen if we take that step of faith. And Paul doesn't want people to have that, that maybe future stop them from, from doing what God has called them to do. You see, Paul was focused on the goal so that he would not live with these regrets of not having that conversation, of not talking to the person, of not going to that place, of not traveling there, of not writing that letter. So as a family, with the same common purpose as outlined by Jesus and lived out in the life of Paul, what would our regrets look like? Now, I, I don't know your story, but maybe it sounds something like this. Maybe your regret would be with this goal in mind of sharing Jesus. Maybe your regret would be maybe not being neighborly enough, right? You, you never were quite outgoing enough or you never went to cross that fence or walk over there and really create a space where you have this welcoming environment where they can come over and have a, a real important conversation about things that truly matter. Or maybe for you, it was just, man, I'm just too busy. Maybe you're not managing your calendar well, or maybe you're just not intentionally putting in space to have that opportunity for people to lean in and you to have a conversation that truly matters. Or maybe someone said, come on this mission trip with me, and you thought, you know what, I, it just makes me nervous. I don't wanna go out of the country, or I don't wanna go there. I've just never done this before. And so you just say no, and then you've always regretted it because you never know what could have happened in that moment and the impact that you could have made. Maybe it was just the simple act of saying, come sit with me. And you had that person in your mind, you've always had that person in your mind, you work with them, you go to school with them, and you thought, I'm, I'm gonna invite them to teen life or I'm gonna invite them to, to church, and, and then you just never make that move and you've kind of regretted it because of the goal that we have to share our faith. We all have these regrets if the goal is the same. We all have these regrets in common if the goal is the same. But what if we, as a church, as a church family, what if we were unified in our goal and we lived without regrets? What would that look like for us? Now, we have about 750 members here at New Life, so let's just use that number kind of as our, our, our mindset here. What if our members said, okay, at least once a year, I'm gonna have intentional conversation with somebody I care about, about Jesus Christ. Just one, just once a year, one intentional conversation. That would allow us to, at the very, very least, reach 750 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, what if we amped it up a little bit? Because you, you guys are better than that, right? You're overachievers, I see you. You're kind of well put together, right? You got your act together. What if we just said, okay, just once a month, that's not that excessive, but just once a month, I'm gonna have an intentional conversation about things that truly matter about Jesus Christ, about my faith, just once a month. If we did this, we would reach 9,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I know this about you, just by looking at you, like I said, once a month, that's way too easy. Right? We need to ramp it up a little bit, don't we? How about just once a week? Just once a week. One conversation, one phone call, one email, 
one text just, just once a week. And, and if we all do this together, if we're all unified in this, unified goal, unified purpose, and we're gonna do this just once, just once a week. If we did this in our unique space where God has placed us with the, with the people that only we can reach, right? Because we all have these unique friendships that are different from each other. If we did this just once a week, we would share the good news of Jesus Christ with 38,000 people, which is more people than live in Sterling and Rock Falls combined. It's almost more people than live in Sterling, Rock Falls, and Dixon combined, isn't it? You see, the truth is this. If we unify around Jesus Christ and put his goal as the center of our lives and use our unique voices for the cause of Christ, we can do amazing things. Because the bottom line is this. We are better together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your, your word as we're learning through this church in this diverse city of Ephesus, Lord. May we take what Paul taught them and may we apply it to our church and our lives because Lord, in the end, we're gonna see you face to face. And, and Lord, I don't wanna live with any regrets and I don't wanna have the wrong goals. And so, Lord, may you make our goals and our purpose as clarified in your word, the central focus of our lives. And Lord, may we all reach the people around us. Maybe it's once a year, maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's every day if we're really overachievers, Lord, just going and saying, okay, I'm gonna have that conversation today and it's gonna be scary, but the outcome's probably not gonna be as negative as I think it's gonna be. And Lord, may we trust you, may we remove those excuses, Lord, and make a powerful impact in this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, at this time, we continue to pray for the COVID-19 crisis in our state, in our area, in our nation, in our world, Lord. We pray for all those who are sick, Lord, restore them. We pray for the medical professionals, Lord, give them wisdom and strength to serve us. We pray for those going through financial concerns, Lord, provide for them. For those who are battling mental health concerns, Lord, give them hope. And Lord, as the vaccine goes out, we pray that it is safe and effective for all those who receive it. Lord, we also pray for our missionaries who have their own unique COVID-19 experiences going on. For some of them, they are in complete lockdown. For others, they aren't really experiencing much of a change. But Lord, whatever is going on, may you give them wisdom and how to navigate it. May their, may their message go out further and further and further because of the creativity that you have given them to minister in such a time as this. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we also wanna lift up the schools as the school year has started. We wanna pray for our administration, give them wisdom as they lead. For the teachers, Lord, give them a spirit of love as they serve these kids. Lord, we also pray for the support staff. They're they are so important to the vitality of the schools. And so Lord, also let them feel our love and, and give them wisdom and strength for the year. Lord, we also pray for our coaches and directors and all those people who are, are leading the extracurricular activities, Lord. 
Lord, be with them as well. And Lord, of course, we pray for our students. For our students who are there, uh, Lord, may they, may they grow in, in wisdom. Lord, may they grow in, in every area you want them to grow in uh, during their, their scholastic experience. And Lord, for all those people who take on all these roles on any given day who are believers in you, Lord, may they find this as a, a rich mission field for your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, at this time, we wanna lift up all those who are hurting among us, those who uh, need your healing hand to be put upon them. We pray for Desta Caravan as she goes to rehab, Ernie Little and his cancer, Frida Last and her rehab, Barbara Miller Schoen and her infection, Jackie Healy as she battles cancer, Noel Reed as he recovers from his car accident, Bonnie Von Ostel and her back, Danae Jensen and her cancer, Jim Prescott Sr. and his infection. Lord, we also lift up Brock Parker as he recovers from his car accident and is in very serious condition, Lord. Lord, for all these individuals, put your healing hand upon them and restore them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we also want to think of those who are looking towards surgery or recovering from surgery. We pray for Linda Taylor as she recovers from heart surgery and also Rick Curley as he recovers from heart surgery. Lord, may these surgeries be effective and may they find the restoration that they need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we also wanna stop and thank you for the ways that you have provided and the ways that you continue to bless us throughout our lives. And so Lord, along with Joe and Shannon Schneiderbauer, we pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the birth of Joel Sherry. And we also pray a prayer of thanksgiving with Mike and Bailey Schneiderbauer as they welcomed into their family Grace Elizabeth. And so Lord, for both these families, we celebrate with them. We pray that you give them wisdom as parents to raise these, child, these children well so that they can grow into everything that you have for them to be. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord.